Good evening, my friends. Tonight on The Real Dirt, we'll be talking about cocoa. Cocoa pith, cocoa fiber, cocoa coir. People call it by many different names, but no matter how you call it or what you think about it, man, it really is a great sustainable product, a growing medium. Many people don't really know what it is. They, they confuse it with cocoa, which is the, the shell of a, another bean. Uh, that's a waste product that uses a mulch. But this is a shell of a coconut. When it's cracked open, you see all those uh, long fibers on it. Throughout Asia, they take those long fibers and they weave them into textiles. Well, when they're doing this in this mechanical process, these short fibers, the pith, quar, it falls to the ground and it's a waste product. And the beauty of cocoa fiber, cocoa quar, cocoa, is that... Uh, it's this uh, great renewable resource. It falls to the ground every day. Coconuts fall to the ground every day. And uh, pith is made every day as a waste product from the cocoa fiber industry. Now, we take this product. We import it from Asia, India, Sri Lanka. We use a single source select product at our facility. People get it from all over the world. It comes in bricked into this country, bricked up, just like uh, old school cannabis. People love to grow cannabis with it. It has an excellent oxygen to moisture ratio. It's naturally high in potassium. And man, it's, it's really an awesome, awesome medium to grow cannabis. Now, some people hate it. Some people can't stand it. There's lots of myths behind cocoa. And, and I hope we're going to solve some of those today. If you're interested in cocoa, then, then man, this is a great episode for you. If you hate cocoa, then, man, this is going to be a great episode for you. If you don't know anything about it, then this is going to be a great episode. On today's episode, I'm going to have my good friend and the chief operating officer of Grower Soil talk to me about cocoa fiber and cocoa production. So if you're interested in this episode and others, please download them at The Real Dirt. Dot com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. So sit back, fire one up, and uh, listen to us chat about Coco. My friends, welcome to The Real Dirt. On today's Dirt, I have my good buddy, Darren Erasmuth. Say hey, Darren. Hey, Chip. Good to be here. Oh, man. You sound great over there, dude. I'm going to have to adjust my mic. You sound a little bit better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Darren's the uh, chief operating officer of my potting soil company, Growers Soil. Um, if you haven't heard about Growers Soil, then uh, this is a great episode for you. Um, I've been making potting soil for 15, 20 years, and uh, this is my, my latest manufacturing plant. Kind of a whole new concept of potting soil for me. And Darren uh, has, has helped me build a lot of this. We've been working together on it for how long, Darren? I'd say the last two years. Last two years. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, built the building from the ground up, the facility from the ground up. Uh, Darren, uh, he came from uh, kind of the other side, the the wholesale sale side. Well, what would you call it? Yeah, you're right on commercial sales. Commer commercial yeah. sales, commercial sales in the hydroponic uh, industry. We used to work together years ago at Cultivate Colorado and had an opportunity to come over to the uh, to the cocoa side. Yeah, full circle. 
So, uh, Darren, what's the, what's like the, the number one myth you hear people like when we, when you say Coco, what's, do you hear people say like this, something over and over again, a myth? No, really. Coco is just a, such a fantastic medium. There's nothing negative to say about Coco. There's no <laughs> myth to be had. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what have, you, what of, have you heard, Chip? Well, I mean, you know, you're kind of right, though, because when people say you can't really overwater Coco, and you can, but like it actually is really hard to. I've heard it's, it's difficult for beginners, but I, I beg to differ. I think it's a great medium for people learning to grow. It only works in small pots, right? No. Yeah, you no. see people grow them in big pots too. Yeah, you sure do. And they right. do they do really well. It, so it, it, it's, I think it's how you control the feed of, of the cocoa. Like anything, you know. Um you gotta know how to feed your plant at what stage of, of, of life and, and with cocoa it's the same thing. We do see people in big bigger pots, I guess. What's like the have you, what, can you say you've seen someone in a 20 gallon cocoa, just straight cocoa pot or? No, I'd say 10 is probably, the biggest, probably yeah. about the biggest, right? It's really a, a really variable subject. I mean, a, a variable media. We were in Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I mentioned that the product was in cocoa and this guy like snarled his lip up at me and, uh, you know, he said, ah, I don't do hydroponics. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I get that, but you know, it's not just a hydro medium either. No, it's not, you know, but it gives you the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, it, it allows you to, to feed it how you want throughout the different stages of the plant's life, gives you that precise control that you, that you need. You can drip it, you can hand feed it, you can flood and drain it. So yeah, th there's a lot of different techniques with the cocoa. I love the, uh, flood and drain. I love ebb and flow, you know, it's such easy plumbing, you know, with ebb and flow and, and cocoa ebb and flow. I really love that one. Um, I know like drip and, and whatnot is also popular, but, uh, man, to just take, uh, you know, four and five inch pots, fill them with cocoa, plant a plant and grow it till it's like, you know, just a foot tall or eight inches tall, flood it. In a flood tray, it's so easy to maintain that, man. And cocoa is one of the best mediums for flood and drain. It wicks so well. Yeah, absolutely. There, you know, one, one, one technique I'd put out there to people who want to do flood and drain cocoa is you do want to uh, get your container fairly rooted. Yeah, your best case scenario is to get this plant, this container completely rooted and then be able to water it multiple times a day. If it's not completely rooted, then you just water it less times, right? And uh, the smaller containers, I actually prefer them. But, uh, man, up to two-gallon pot, like, that's a really good hydro flood and drain size. What do you think the most yeah. common flood and drain pot is for cocoa? You said it, that one to two-gallon. Man, I've seen some just huge plants in two gallons. Did you see our hemp episodes? Did you see any of that stuff? No. Oh, you, you don't subscribe to the real dirt, Darren? Of course I do, God. Chip. Dude, even my even my friends and coworkers don't subscribe. <laughs> I'm a little backed up. Hey, right hey, hey! If if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, please do. Take the time. If you if you're on my website, go to iTunes. Please subscribe to the Real Dirt Podcast. So, Darren, if you had subscribed to the Real Dirt Podcast and seen some of the hemp episodes, I, I would have known. You would have known. Man, we had this hemp plant here that one of our customers gave us for the show. And three gallon pot, huge plant, huge plant. 
I think we got a quarter pound or something off that half pound. And I know that's a big difference, but still at a quarter pound is a lot, but I think it was like a half pound of hemp. But uh, people don't just use cocoa straight, right? They mix uh, perlite in it. They do, yeah. And there are those few people who do like to run straight cocoa. Um, but uh, you're right. You know, I'd say 70-30 is the most popular cocoa blend. And what I've seen lately trending now is more of like a 50-50 even. Oh, yeah, 50-50. That cut of perlite really allows it to dry out. You know, so you can automate your watering quickly. Yeah, I just saw 50-50 today, man. I'm not saying I was surprised to see it, but uh, yeah, you got to want to water it. It's never enough drainage for people. You yeah, know? no they doubt. All, they'll, they'll buy a 70-30 and uh, add perlite. Yeah, no They'll doubt. buy a, a pro mix and add perlite. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. People love to mix up their own magic. That's for mm -hmm. sure. What are the ways people use this 70-30 mix when they use it? Drain to waste is the most popular. You know, especially when you're going to scale. So a, a drip system. Five-gallon pot. Yeah. Drip yeah. system. Five-gallon five pot. pot. You know, the fabric pots are also taken off. That's kind of, it's the trend now. Allows your plants to dry out a little quicker even. and Absolutely. And the, and the fabric pots are great for the flood and drain too, man, because you get that primary filter with the pot. Because, you know, that is the problem with cocoa flood and drain is the sediment that comes out of the container but the fabric pot really is a primary filter and keeps a lot of that inside definitely right yeah if you're going to flood and drain use a fabric pot right but uh for for drip it allows it to dry out because the fabric pot has more air and it dries out more doesn't hold the the moisture the heat any of that as much Run to waste drip is uh, definitely the most popular. And, and I think the best way to describe it is uh, you have a nutrient tank, you drip your media or you hand water your media. It drains out and runs to waste. You know, you don't recycle the media. Flood and drain. I mean, you don't recycle the nutrient, the runoff, the runoff yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Flood and drain, usually recycle it. And that helps with pH swings. Keeps your pH swings in check. You're not recycling that runoff causing different fluctuations yeah and feeding with a cleaner feed every time allows them to give a bunch of over runoff you know people can really like jack their plants that way too because you know if they're just basically like flushing 1800 2000 parts per million through there you know with a tons of runoff then the plants actually really respond to it is there a precise percentage of runoff say 10 percent runoff 15 percent runoff you that know, man, one people would do it for? all all different ways man you know when you say 10 percent, it's actually a lot right you got a 500 gallon reservoir and you just you know put 50 gallons on the floor right that's that's actually a lot that is a lot yeah right when you look at it that way but like 10 and 25 percent is commonly what like our industry has said I think there's a better way to do it. I think it's better to not jack your plants so much and have less runoff. I'm all about less waste. More efficient, less, less waste. waste. Yeah, absolutely, man. It is the predominant culture in the cannabis industry, you know, to dump your reservoirs in flood and drain after 10 days or two weeks. It's common practice, you know, to have this like 10 and 20% runoff. Honestly, I don't I don't think people really know how much runoff they have. Few people really really test it. You don't test it. No. People won't test it, man. Mm -hmm. Some people do. 
Yeah, and I think another trend that I'm seeing is is people actually going no runoff, trying to feed to that point of no runoff, but actually yeah. dialing back some of the parts per million of the feed that they're feeding. Yeah, because the EC or the parts per million will raise in your soil that way. And and I think that's exactly how to yeah. do it. Like, so you feed with less nutrients, you have less waste, Yeah, no runoff. Feed with like 800 ppm, you know, hardly any runoff. And if you just feed with that over and over again, the, the media, your, your container, it starts to gain in EC, right? So you can just, you know, 800, 800, 800, 800 over and over and over again. And your, your container is going to raise, right? So it's a really effective way to do it, right? Every time you're mm-hmm. flushing it out, you know, you're just losing so much money, man. Definitely. And then you mix in your compost teas and, and all that in there as well to, to help flush, flush that better. out. Yeah, Get you absolutely. better flavors and taste. And Right. You know, the uh, common EC we see in fully finished, the common parts per million we see in fully finished plants is around 4,000 in the media. Wow. Yeah. When we've tested it before, it just raises, right? And then the plants love it, right? But you wouldn't think about putting 4,000 parts per million, you know, as a fertilizer into your soil. It's just the, the, the soil buffers it. Do not try that at home. Right. <laughs> don't, don't do that. So, man, I see tons of people hand watering, man. Why is this such a real pre- still predominant way of It is, of even, at a, even at a scalable operation, you see it sometimes. People like to tend to each plant differently. And sometimes one plant is feeding more. Sometimes one plant's feeding less. If you're on a drip feeding the same, you can't control that. So if you're hand feeding, and I do like hand feeding, I'm an advocate for it early on if you can. Obviously, when yep. your plants is when they're established, you want to kind of automate it. But yeah, no, it gives you a little more control, and, and then it actually gets you in there with your plants. You know, yeah. where when you're fully automated, you tend to step away sometimes. I hear all those things you're saying, and like one hundred percent, like to you know, throw in uh, you know a, a good a good you know album. I don't know if anybody listens to whole albums, but me anymore. But you know, I, I like to listen to one all the way through and you know, feel like it was like the artist or the marketer. That's how they wanted me to hear that album. You know, there's a certain like, you know, meditative quality to put, put on a, an album, listen to the whole thing and hand water your plants. I get that. Right. <laughs> I totally get that zoning out, <laughs> listening to some Bill Withers or some Marvin Gaye or some player circle or whatever Tupac. You know, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. What don't you get about it? Fuck, man. I mean, if it's recreation, that's one thing. Man, it just costs so much to do it in an, ec- an economy of today. Yeah, you can't do right? it at scale. And people are doing it at 100 and 200 lights right now. And I mean, 500 lights even. I see it. Uh, I've seen it for years. Do you think those people have never set up? A drip system? Maybe they don't know what they're missing. They they don't know know what they're missing or they set one up and they didn't set it up right. Right. So they didn't put the filter in right or they didn't clean their tank after they put it all together. And all right. So here's what happens. People come in to put a drip system. They're like, I'm going to put a drip system in. Right. They don't do the math on the drippers. That's the number one thing. We try to help people, but sometimes like, you know, we don't get all the information or people's plans change or they don't want to listen or you know, they don't say anything to us. And they, you know, it's like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Right. 
So the first thing they fuck up is on the math, right? And and it's simple math on drip, right? It's like this dripper equals so many gallons per minute, so many gallons per hour, right? Each dripper has that rating, right? So each supply line also has a rating of pressure and volume. So it's this is real simple math. If you've got a gallon dripper and a 180-gallon maximum capacity feed line, which is a half-inch line, you can put 181-gallon drippers on the line and still maintain your pressure. Simple, right? Simple. Mm-hmm. People, they don't do the math or think about it. That's the number one thing they do. The number two thing they do is they don't put in filters right, right? They either undersize the filter, and we always tell our customers always like, oh, you got a one-inch line, then you need to get the one-and-a-half-inch filter, right? Because the volume that goes to the one-and-a-half-inch filter is actually equal to the volume in a one-inch line. The people that take our advice, they're like, works out great. Other people don't. The other thing they do is, and this is really, really common, is they have an old nutrient tank with a bunch of sludge and shit in it. And the first thing they do is don't clean that tank out and they drip their whole line and all their drippers get clogged. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we've seen that happen over and over again. Right. So, uh, yeah, not designing their system properly. Mostly it's filtration, not starting out with all clean, clean equipment. Right. That, that's what does it. That's what does it. But it's simple, man. I mean, it's simple technology. There should be a drip system in, in every garden. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, for veg, like flood and drain, I think is the best way. Uh, just because you might have a bunch of small plants in a in an area or hand water even. Because it's not so hard to hand water like, you know, a thousand or 10,000 four inch pots. It's not that big an area. Right. But you transplant, you know, those up into five and seven gallon pots and, you know, five thousand seven gallon pots. It's a bigger area. You know, that's like that's a whole day's worth of water for, you know. Yeah. And I'd say at that rate, you're probably depending on the size of your plant. You, you know, you're going to feed once every other day when they're small. Yeah. yeah you know, totally. every, maybe big. every three days. Yeah, totally. And then down to once a day. When it gets to that point where you have to feed more than once a day that's when you need to either pot up or you need to set up a drip, drip, you know? Right. Oh man. Automated watering just to do it on time is cause we all do it on time anyway. So like we tell people this all the time too, is we ask people that are against drip or people that are into it. Hey, you're hand watering now. How long does it take you to hand water? And people will say one hour, two hours, three hours. You know, I got six guys that water all day long, whatever they say. Right. We, whatever that figure it is, however it takes them to water, that's usually how long it takes to build the drip system. Right. So if someone comes and says, takes me an hour to water, well, you can build the drip system more than likely in one hour's time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then every other hour that you'd spend in your grow, every other hour, say, say you got a 40 light room, say it takes you one hour to hand water. Right. And you water it four times a week. Right. That is four hours a week and it grows for 10 weeks straight. You just put 40 hours into it. Now, one crop of one year, you spent the one hour to put the drip system in. And then every month now, every crop now, you save 
40 hours of your, your life or 40 hours of your pocketbook. It's, it's so simple. Definitely. Or take those hours and spend them on your plants, trimming them well, up. That's exactly the thing to do. You know? It's like now you get to grow your plants instead of, of water your plants. Right. And mm-hmm. you look at them, you can maybe spend them now. And cause man, I've seen huge gardens where people's MO was to every day they would go through a section of the garden Right. For man, like an hour or something and spin the plants, spin the plants every single day. So like, and this is a big garden. It's like 120 lights on the fifth flip or something, not a small garden. And it was uh, all drip. Man, they had the most uniform weed, right? They like spent the time and I'm not suggesting you should do that, but like that was their method. That was their MO. And they got great yields, man. Back then, they got great yields. I think you're turning people on to a new technique. Oh, yeah. You rotate your plants, yeah, man? Yeah, spin them. I, yeah, spin I them. Yeah, I don't spin. You don't spin? I don't, I'm not a spinner. Oh, you should totally spin, man. You know, especially on like your small legal six plant gardens or like big gardens. If like you just get them on a rotation and like every day you spin one plant, you know, a certain direction or you spin all the plants a certain direction. And then like no matter what it is they like you get even growth all the way around it right spin it man spin it bro I like it. sometimes the trellis gets in the way oh yeah, yeah. well that is that, that's <laughs> the problem for sure and but man i know trellis works great but man that plastic shit is just so awful for the world and the environment and i don't know how many like dead animals or almost dead dogs or you know i've seen or pulled out of it like it, it is just nasty nasty product so dispose of trellis mm-hmm. appropriately if you use it who are these people buying cocoa right now? Who Who's using cocoa? Well, I'd probably say some of the best growers out there right now. Oh, yeah. There you go. I like that. <laughs> no, the most pro- yeah, professional growers. But it's not just like it's beginners to. It, yeah, it's beginners all the way up. It's you know? beginners but to pros. Like you said, when people scale and they go to drip systems, people love cocoa because of its wicking ability, because of its air to water ratio. So you see a lot of these big commercial guys rocking cocoa or or cocoa perlite or, you know, now as of late, more of the cocoa pea perlite. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our, our product, uh, the new path we've taken with growers is we've, we've blended cocoa, peat and perlite together. And this blending of the peat and the perlite and the cocoa, in my opinion, it really is a better mix. It holds slightly more moisture you actually get to still, it's still a high porosity mix, but you water a little bit less, you know, man, I think most people might save close to 20% on their fertilizer usage because it's just slightly more, holds slightly more water than the 70, 30 mix. It does. And that's, you know, thanks to the peat. Yeah. But it acts the same as far as the production of the plants. Definitely. Right. But you use 20% less fertilizer. Right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the, the the beauty of it all. So, Darren, you, you hadn't made soil before you came to to work at the cocoa plant. No, I've always been a cocoa guy, um, right. but I have not. No, I haven't right. had the the pleasure of working with the equipment and and seeing how high tech everything is. I mean, it's a state of the art blending yeah. line. It's not just it's not just <laughs> shovel. No, you're not out there, you know, kicking dirt <laughs> around with a water hose. <laughs> Turn it some more over there. Turn it some more over there. No, you're absolutely right. People ask me that all the time. They think we use equipment to mix, uh, heavy equipment like uh, front-end loaders to mix it up. But this is all, 
you know, uh, hoppers and conveyor belts and computer programs and uh, volumetric sensors. And it is high tech. It's yeah. pretty cool to no, see it happen. It, it's fun. And we do. We do have the big front front end loaders and, and bobcats. And those are fun. And those are fun enough too, yeah, right? I'm fun. a forklift yeah. man myself. Had you worked with Pete much? Because you had always been a cocoa guy. No, you know, I, I didn't. I, I've really learned a lot about Pete in the last few years. And it's got a great place blended in with cocoa. It really does. I think it helps to balance the cocoa. Holds just slightly a little more you, water. You were a cocoa purist yeah, when you came yeah. to work for us. Yeah, always right. been a cocoa guy. Yeah, totally. And I'm, I was cocoa purist for years too. I mean, my mm-hmm. other companies were, you know, all uh, cocoa fiber centric you know, potting soil lines. And this is mm-hmm. to, I even probably bad mouth Pete. Yeah. You know, but, back in the day. You know, for, for indoor gardening, it is, it's one of the best mediums, you know, the straight Pete, in my opinion, tends to hold too much water in an indoor yeah. environment. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that Pete does in our mix is uh, it, it cuts the cocoa a little bit. So you don't have that calcium problem that many people have with the cocoa fiber. Right. And, and we still promote people to use a, a calcium nitrate or a calcium magnesium CalMag source. It's just, it's just not, not near as near as a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. What, what, uh, what, what type of ways are you seeing people use the, the growers high porosity product? Just like we spoke about, it works great in flood and drain scenarios. It works great in the drip system. We're seeing it more now with the hemp growers. Seed starting is great. You know, it's super light, really fluffy, very consistent from bag to bag. Mm-hmm. And that's due to our all indoor facility. But yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. light. It's light product, man. Super fluffy. Right. Uh, any, uh, two cubic foot bag. It's uh, people can easily carry four, but uh, definitely you can carry two if you're a normal human. It really, really have made the shipping of it done really well on that i know that's a whole behind the scenes thing mm-hmm. instead of the end user they don't really see that but for us the shipping is like the hardest thing to do it is moving soil around the country is expensive and and that adds dollars to every bag of soil bought out of state right for even in state man definitely yeah and fortunately for us we could fit you know up to 26 pallets on a truck that really helps bring the cost per bag down right totally um, you know yeah, you know, when we when we designed those initial bags, one of the things I wanted to correct were problems I had with some of my other soil products where they fit on standard pallets. And a standard pallet measures out at 40 by 48 inches. And the logic is that you can hang the bags over four inches on each side. So it's a 48 by 48 inch footprint on the uh, truck floor. Right. But uh, what we did when we redesigned these new bags is we got everything on the pallet. So it, it measures more like a 48 by 42, 40 footprint. And you're able to just, you know, add up all those inches in a truckload and get those extra pallets on the truckload. And also because we mix it with peat and we're not in any water, it's so much lighter that you can get that extra weight. Right. How much is what's a pallet weigh? It's like 1,800 pounds or yeah, something. Yeah. 17. Yeah, yeah, most 18, most everything yeah. else is like twenty four hundred pounds. So I know we're like geeking out a little bit here on the <laughs> shipping, but like you know, it really is one. It's like it's like this environmentally conservative thing to do because you're getting more bang for your buck for the petroleum spent as we ship it around the world. The other thing is it makes it more cost effective for you, uh, the store owner, or the commercial grower. 
to buy it. We've had some surprisingly some some hemp big hemp people get into the growers HP. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, I think when you're spending so much money on feminized seed, where you're just just such a high upfront cost to buy hemp seed, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you're putting it in a good soil that it's going to sprout, that it's going to start out well. Right. That you can feed it whatever you you want. Exactly. You can control it. And a great high porosity blend is, is the answer. So yeah, we're seeing probably our biggest market share coming in now is, is a lot of these hemp guys. Yeah, totally. Totally. We got the, those one Kentucky photos the other day, we sent over some truckloads to Kentucky and, uh, I don't know how big the greenhouse was, man. Maybe like 20,000 square feet or something. Man, it just looked perfect. Beautiful. Perfect. Beautiful. It really shows the consistency of it. It was good to see that. That's for sure. Yeah, I was really surprised with the hemp farmers because, you know, they're not getting so much per pound. The starts and the greenhouses, like, like that's, that's where it's at, right? That's what people are you know, using the, our product on and using the grower's product on and higher end. Man, we've also been selling a, a shit ton to Oklahoma. Yeah, man, Oklahoma took off. I wasn't quite ready for the enthusiasm of the Oklahoma grower. That's for sure. It was great to see. Yeah, it has been great to see, man. I mean, we just started distributing it down there just recently. This is, what, what month is it? This is May. Right. And we just started distributing yeah. it last month or something. Yeah, oh, been there a month. Or something. Yeah, been there a month. Oh my God, dude. Like the reception has been really incredible, man. It's, it's been unreal, you know, but I think when you get a quality soil into somebody's hands and you really let them get their hands into it and play with it, they, yeah. get, they get excited. Yeah. You do, you feel you know? it and you get excited. That's for sure. It feels great, you know, in your hands. Yeah. When you're coming, when you're used to, Something that just holds so much water that's so heavy, you know, it doesn't give you the control you're used to. And then you get a nice high porosity product, Mm -hmm. man. And no doubt. No, it's, it's taken off in Oklahoma for sure. So man, you, you actually talk, Darren runs it all at the dirt plant. He runs the day-to-day operations. He runs the sales. He, he runs the deliveries. Like he, he, I mean, we have several other employees, but like Darren runs it all. He talks to almost everybody that we sell it to. Right. Yeah. I guess you talk to everybody we sell it to. Yeah. I talk to everybody. Yeah. What kind of people are, you know, many people like are having stereotypes about Oklahoma and, you know, uh, cultivate Colorado. We're moving a grow store down there, cultivate garden supply. It's in Oklahoma city. We opened in June, 2019 and we were moving a bunch of stuff down there, man. I mean, I think Oklahoma is a great market, but like there's lots of stereotypes about people in Oklahoma, right? Have you come across like a major question people have about our soil or, or, or yeah, yeah. A major question. You know, not really, you know, I, well, I'd say what most people want to know, they're, they're not so familiar with the inert soils. Right. Soilless the, mix. The soilless mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're used to getting something that's got the castings and mm-hmm. kelp mill and bone mill and I mean, you name it, all the amendments in, in their soil. So, you know, when you, when you introduce to them a, a high porosity soilless mix, they're like, what, what, what is this? Yeah. How, how do I feed my plants? Which yeah. ultimately is what they want to know. It is. That is the biggest thing people have asked. What right. What's in it? And when we say nothing, it's really easy. You know, yeah. the light bulb goes off. It's like, oh, okay. So, well, you, so you just start feeding right away, you know, 
where some people I think are used to transplanting up into a a warm mix, a hot mix, um, right, and, and going straight water for a couple of weeks, right, and then starting to introduce their nutrients. Yeah, and I mean, the plants would survive in the grower's HP if you didn't do anything but give it water, but they wouldn't really thrive. Yeah, they yeah they would just they would do okay. They you would know, do okay. And you start to see probably a little bit of yellowing out. Yes. Within with, probably two weeks, probably. Yeah. So you just, you, you transplant them up and, and you, you feed your favorite nutrient, organic or synthetic. Yeah. You know, because we are, or we are in a organic soil, organic cocoa, organic peat, organic perlite. It's very simple. Yeah. It's very simple. And, you know, we, it's not a hundred percent organic. It's, it literally is 99.9% organic because we do put calcium nitrate in the product. You really have to use calcium nitrate for cocoa to make a quality cocoa product. And I battled it for years and we're still going to do some organic cocoa stuff at growers. It's not going to have calcium nitrate in it because people demand it. The calcium nitrate really does help the cocoa so much. And then we put lime in it to help balance the pH, right? Yep, yep. So the basic pH of peat is is low. It's really low. It's three to three five. Mm-hmm. And cocoa is is pretty neutral. You're looking at about seven for that. So when you blend these together, the pH tends to be on the low side. So yeah, you add a little bit of lime to it. It brings up and balances the pH, and it gives you a great starting pH. Absolutely, really easy to balance out. And- you know, uh, because it's uh, cocoa and peat, people ask me, like, what to run the pH at. And I still tell people to run it like it's a cocoa fiber or hydroponic medium, which would be like 5.8. But, man, I, I, right now, today, we have, like, some super successful gardeners that run it at 6.5. And that's what I like about our soil is it gives you that range. You don't have to feed it at one specific pH. If you're in range, if you're in 5, 7 to Right. It all depends on how you're you're feeding it. You're you're good. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the other thing I've seen in Oklahoma is people ask two questions. One, they like, you know, they ask what to feed it with, you know, and we say your favorite nutrients or whatever. And then the other thing is, is there really lots of interest in organics, right? So people want that organic mix, the thing to mix in with the soil. Right. And, and so you could see people's eyes light up because so many people had like organic products that they want to put in the soil or they're already growing with and put in the soil. It's really cool to see, man. You know, it's like old school Humboldt really at, at mm-hmm. how people talked about organics. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, or, organics, they just gives you a better product. Right. So, I mean, I, yeah, the end, the end product tastes and can taste and smoke better for sure. Definitely. Properly and, grown. And, organic. and whether it's straight organic or even an organic synthetic blend, even, yeah. you know, but, uh, I mean, we both know I prefer like to mix in some organic nutrients and then add a handful of synthetic nutrients in it. And I believe that's the best way, right? Right at the beginning, you know, good synthetic nutrient, a good ETA plant that into some organic soil. And then, you know, feed it with a bloom enhancer of some sort at some point. And then all water, all organic after that. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. the best way, right? You get the best of both worlds. It's not strictly organic, but you get that like look 
the ch- with the synthetic nutrients that you don't quite get uh, so easily with definitely. the organic. And it's still this is a hobby, you know, it's a hobby industry. And yeah, granted, absolutely. yeah, there's it's a we've got a huge commercial side to things as well, but I mean, you you want to play with different products, you want to experiment with what's new, you want to. You know, mix yeah. in different organic amendments and different teas and you well, want to hey try things. The one guy who just bought uh, 52 pallets, that's not so much of a hobby for him, though. I mean, he's a commercial grower and he he mixed in. Do you remember what he mixed in? Yeah, I can't remember. He, he had two or three organic ingredients he mixed into it. But commercial grower, mm-hmm. right? That's commercial grower right there. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I'm not. I'm not saying that if you're. If you're at the commercial level that you can't mix in organics. No, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, it really is one of the cheaper ways to do it. Right. Especially if you're growing for extraction and you got your organic formula down, it doesn't look the same. It is one of the cheapest methods, man. You know, mm-hmm. you, you put the nutrients in the soil and then you just add water. Right. Or like you said earlier, compost teas or something. Yep, Definitely. Yeah, I love organic stuff, man. I love, if you're ever out there, Oklahoma or Utah or, or California or wherever the hell, and you see me and you got some great organic weed, you should like introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. but I, I love hydro though. I love hydro, right? I love automated. I love straight cocoa. Mm-hmm. I love... Uh, drip like you know our, our high porosity drip is just incredible like I, I really do love hydro hydro is great and when you have a, a good base medium to run in your hydro it, it's the best you know and and having that cocoa it's a little more forgiving than say your standard rocks you know yeah, your, your hydrogen your absolutely your dwc your rock wool i mean you name it you know, it's the, it's not as forgiving as a true soilless medium. Cocoa is absolutely the way, whether you're using, you know, straight cocoa or seventy thirty or our growers high porosity. It really is the preferred medium in cannabis. But hey, it used to not be that way though, right? No, it really didn't. Right? You know, I mean, back in the day, you you almost had to get what you could find, and yeah. you know, when did you come over to to Colorado to work at Cultivate? 2009 2009 so yeah it wasn't big in 2009 no no we were just starting to educate people on different cocoa fiber mediums and and the benefits of them then you know and it's uh, it's it's great crazy to see how things have changed in the last almost 10 years yeah with how people grow yeah no man it's awesome to see like more sustain sustainable products and Cocoa, we already went over it. You know, coconuts fall to the ground every day. Perlite, it's mined volcanic, like, ash that they take and run it through a machine like a popcorn maker, and it pops it. Then peat, it's harvested from naturally developed bogs in northern climates. So it's all these, like, natural products, Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, no pea and perlite are mined products. Yeah, but they say it's not sustainable. That's probably a myth that could be busted. Yeah, based totally. Based on planting and harvesting yeah. techniques. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Because like gravel, like you would think that's, you know, uh, you know, that's a totally sustainable industry, especially, you know, that's mined from stream beds, right? This river run, mm-hmm. right? But like we wouldn't think that unless you knew that. 
every time I find that I have like a judgment on something, it comes back around to me how I'm, I'm wrong over it. So I try not to do that. It's good to be open-minded. It, it really sure. is good to be open-minded. Um, and I was open-minded about Pete. You yeah, know, when, when I, when I mixed in the peat and, and saw like the, the benefits of using peat with a cocoa fiber and like my, my buddy Fletcher, he had always been promoting it for years, uh, Fletcher with archive seeds. Yeah. I mixed up some batches and I was like, yeah, man, this is the shit. And he was like, oh, you got to do it this way. And I mixed up some batches his way. And I was like, yeah, it works. It works pretty good too. Man, if you haven't tried it or if you're against it, you should try it. Whether it's my mix or somebody else's, peat cocoa, perlite, man, it's it, it. I really do think it is the future, right? We're going to see a mm-hmm. lot more of that, and especially these mixes like this mix without the compost or the earthworm castings or any of those other organic inputs that you know just have you know problems, man. Yeah, they. I mean, they they tend to attract bugs. You know, hands down, that's the number one problem with compost is it attracts bugs. And at growers, we try to keep all of that off our line. We don't run any of that through our line. Yeah, right. Completely clean line, all uh, just peat, cocoa, perlite, all inside. We open them up any of the raw materials that day, gets used that day, bagged that day. We've got a great system there. That's for sure. We got a little bakery going. It's nice. That's right. Everything goes in just like an easy bake oven. Do you remember that? Does your, your your daughter have one of those easy bake oven? No, not yet. No, not no. yet. No, no, no. She, she's got the real oven. Yeah, totally, totally. She's 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 more of a bruiser anyway. Definitely. Um, <laughs> man, yeah, man. I'm really not surprised, but really encouraged at all the different people that use the HP growers product. Right from beginner to professional, from indoor to outdoor to. A hydro to organic to, you know, special magic formula to, you know, man, it's really, it's incredible. It's all over the yeah, place, man. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's playing with it. It's fun. And I think to start, we really captured the smaller grower because they're, they're experimenting more, right? Yeah, absolutely. The commercial guys, they've got their method or so they think mm-hmm. their best, you know, they've got the best, best way, practices. right? So yeah. getting the commercial people to try it really really changes it once right. you once you try it i mean there's no turning back at that point well, you know so. I, I last last week's episode i talked to uh jacob from uh, cultivate and we talked about the metrics right and and how like now people can track every single thing and so it's easy to see like when something out yields or under yields right mm-hmm. it's really easy to see it it's been awesome we've I've been, I've been wanting to do this for a minute i'm glad we got into this do we miss anything on Coco, man? I mean, I, f- I really feel like we, we talked a lot about it. You know, I think for this first podcast, I think we got it, but we, we might have to do a follow-up. Yeah, we were going to have some questions for yeah, sure. Yeah, let's we do, are a, let's have do a follow-up. Because, man, I really am, like, I love straight Coco. We should really do, like, a instructional. Well, let's get your viewers to submit some questions, and then we can come on and answer oh, them. Look at this. Look at this. That's what we'll do next time. All right, so... If you found this uh, podcast informative, but, you know, and left you one for a little bit more, why don't you uh, submit us a nice question to the Real Dirt Podcast uh, concerning coconut fiber and, you know, any myth you may know of the cocoa fiber or like uh, any question you may have about the cocoa fiber or anything you want us to discuss over cocoa fiber pith core peak.
That's right. Submit them to the Real Dirt Podcast. You can uh, get us on Messenger or Instagram or Facebook or email us. Uh, yeah, and look at us on the uh, on our website, therealdirt.com. Dude, Darren, thanks for coming today, man. I appreciate the time. Chip, it has been real. It's been great. You know, uh, we didn't smoke any weed today. I'm thinking we're going to have to fire some up. We got so so excited here. I got some uh, Mike Larry over here I want you to try. Let's do it. Yeah, all right. Well, hey, hey, thanks for joining us once again on The Real Dirt. If you like this and other episodes, please download them on The Real Dirt Podcast or on iTunes at The Real Dirt Podcast. Oh, I think I just said that. Anyway, hey, man, I know you guys could be doing other stuff with your time, and I really appreciate you spending your time with me. So uh, thanks again. Download and subscribe. Real Dirt. <laughs>